I've been sharing with you guys on spiritual warfare, and I'm going to continue today. And it's amazing to me that uh, the Bible says that we don't battle against flesh and blood, but we battle against you know principalities and powers and all these things. And most of the church wouldn't have two clues about a principality, a power, a spirit, a demon. If there's even demons today, if they if they affect anybody, that's only for Africa, that's only for India, that's only for over here and stuff like that. And most of the church is very ignorant of these things, and I, and it just it's sad. And I think sometimes they're going through these battles and fights. They could win with just an easy, simple, easy prayer, and yet they can go potentially years in this torment of emotional distress and agony over something that Jesus already paid for. But like, like, like Laura was saying, and I've said before, it's a truth that you know that sets you free. It's not the truth that you don't know. The truth that you don't know is not going to help you at all. So we're going to go into part three of this, um, spiritual warfare. And we mentioned last week how Jesus is our armor. Amen? It's a spiritual warfare. It's spiritual armor. And he is our armor. So it's very important to understand what Jesus did for us, because what he did for us and our knowledge of what he did for us is actually a form of protection from the enemy's uh, attacks against our life. And I'm going to show this more as we go through. Because Jesus is our armor. He is the belt of truth. Amen? He is truth. Uh, no one comes to the Father except through him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the breastplate of righteousness because he is our righteousness. So if you don't understand that you are now righteous through Christ, you're not really going to have your armor on right. And it's not going to be as thick and protective as it should be because you are right now through Jesus. Man, I feel that, mm-hmm, I got to get my hanky out. I, you guys don't know, I got 5.2% of me is African, so <laughs> I like saying that. But anyway, I got had a DNA test, and it's, I guess, so anyway, but, mm-hmm, but if you don't know you're righteous, I mean, if you don't know you're righteous, uh, you're going to be losing a big chunk of battles right there because that's the main way, one of the main ways the enemy's going to come at you is at your righteousness. He's going to come at that. So you need to know you're now righteous because of Jesus. Uh, he is our gospel of peace. He is our peace. He is our shield of faith because he's the object of our faith and he's given us faith. He's our helmet of salvation because he's our source of our salvation. And he's the sword of the spirit because he's the word of God. And, he's, and he is the Holy Spirit who empowers us to actually pray in the Spirit. You can't pray in the Spirit without the help of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. So Jesus is our armor. So uh, this helps us understand why Paul said in Romans 13, 14, to put on Christ. He's our armor. Put on Christ. Put him on. Put on, it says, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. When we put on Christ, we put on the armor of God because he is our spiritual armor, our spiritual covering, and our protection. And what you don't know can hurt you. Okay? Paul said many times, I, I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. I don't want you to be ignorant of the enemy's devices. I don't want you to be ignorant of spiritual gifts. I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. Uh, and you know, most of the things he said he doesn't want us to be ignorant about, that's where the church is the most ignorant. Is, is that a good word today? Is that, a, is that ignorant okay to say? So what is that naughtiness of not to say now? But anyway, uh, we looked at the, uh, the parts of the armor of God last week. We looked at the belt of truth. Knowing Jesus is the truth is pivotal to growing spiritually. It's pivotal to our armor of God. Because if you're going to have to go ask this guy, well, let me go ask this guy his opinion. Let me go ask this person their opinion. And I'm going to decide after I hear all of it, what is the truth? You don't need to waste your time asking anybody else. Let God be true and everybody else a liar. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what they think. It matters what God says and thinks. Amen? 
And it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what your grandma says, your grandpa says. If they disagree with God, if they agree with God, yeah, listen to them. But if they don't, you agree with God. Amen? In the breastplate of righteousness, I was, we looked at this last week. Understanding righteousness and how we are now righteous through Jesus guards and protects our hearts and minds in Christ. I could preach on this probably every Sunday and, uh, because it is that, just that important. You know, if you don't know you're saved, if you don't know you're righteous, if you don't know those things, you are going to get tormented by the devil. I mean tormented. You know how I know? Because I was one of those guys. I was tormented day and night, especially at nighttime, when I'm trying to remember to confess all my sins before I go to bed, because if I should die before I wake, i got to pray, dear God, soul he takes, because I didn't know if I was saved from one day to the next because of bad theology. It is bad. It's not different opinions. It's bad theology. It's bad theology, okay? It's a covenant with God. It's not a uh, I went on a one-night stand with God. It's not a date with God. It's a covenant relationship with God. It's covenant forever. It's forever. Amen? Amen, Amen it is. If you don't know it's forever, you need to learn it's forever because you'll win a whole lot more battles when you know you are now righteous because of Jesus. So we also looked at the shoes of, uh, the shoes of peace. And in the same way uh, shoes help protect our feet when we move around, his peace helps protect our hearts and our minds as we go through life. We have to, knowing God is knowing his peace. If there's areas of your life where you don't have peace, there's an area in your life that you don't know God. I mean, I can say it to me, I can say it to you, it's just true. Whether it stings or not, it's one thing, but would you rather have it sting a little bit and then get, get a helping fixing over here or just let it sting your whole life? God wants you to walk in peace. He gave you his peace. So uh, Philippians 4, 7 it says, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. The peace of God will guard your heart and mind. If you don't have peace, there's something not working right. There's something not quite going right. You're, you're, got, you're focused on the wrong thing or whatever, but you have been given shoes, a gospel of peace, the good news of there's peace now between God and man because of Jesus, and it should give you peace everywhere you go. Now, will you ever feel something? Yeah, you'll feel something, but you have to lean into this. Lean into Christ. You might feel pressure, you might feel anxiety, you might feel whatever, but you lean into the love of God. God loves me. God loves me. And we, we also looked at, briefly, the shield of faith. Now, Jesus is our shield. Uh, Psalm 3, 3 says, But you, O Lord, are a shield for, my, for me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. So Jesus is our armor of God. Amen? He's our armor. Now, today we're going to look at just one of these pieces of armor. We're going to look at the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. I have three parts. I kind of have a Robert Morris thing going on today. I really like Robert Morris, just to say, but I, he his has a great outlines, easy to follow and stuff. So I'm going to try to do, uh, well, not try, but I'm going to have, a, I have three points. So that's as far as I get with Robert <laughs> Morris, probably. The three main points connected to the helmet of salvation. And the first one, point one, is the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God. In the very beginning, in the Garden of Eden, what did the enemy use to tempt Adam and Eve? Knowledge, right? They said it was the knowledge of good and evil. You see this in Genesis 3, 4 and 5. It says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You, are not, you will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So the devil tempted Adam and Eve in the very beginning with more knowledge. 
If you do this, you'll have increased knowledge. You only know a little bit right now. You, she ha- they already had the knowledge of good. They didn't have the knowledge of evil. And when they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they now had both. Their eyes were opened, but they actually died, right? They did die. So we, uh, we can see that the very beginning in the garden, the, the, the tool the enemy used to tempt Adam and Eve was knowledge. He tempted them with knowledge, more knowledge. Last week I read to you 2 Corinthians 10, 4-5. Some of you might remember that off the top of your head. Some may not. Some of you weren't here either, so I'm going to read it again. But there's something in that verse that talks about what the, not, what the battle's against. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, mean worldly weapons, but they're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against what? The knowledge of God bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So we see it in the garden, and we see here in 2 Corinthians, the battle in the beginning, the battle right now, is our battle against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of good versus the knowledge of evil. So um, uh, back in the garden, the devil actually was tempting them against with, with knowledge of evil. They wanted to tempt them to know e- evil things. So... Um, it's our job when we have evil knowledge and evil things coming our way, it's our job to cast down those thoughts that are not obedient to Christ. That's our job. God is never going to cast down those thoughts for you. He's given you a free will, a free heart to think and what you want to think about, but it's our job to bring those thoughts that are in conflict with God's thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. Think like he thinks. So the enemy has thoughts or knowledge, and it might sound, like, uh, might sound reasonable. It might sound logical, it might sound philosophical, it might sound wise, it might sound like a, a bunch of theories of this and theories of that, like evolution. And even though there's no, there's no scientific proof of evolution, still millions of people around the world believe that because he's released this knowledge of evil around the world and people believe it. And the reason why it's a knowledge of evil is because it's, con- it's, it's, counter- it's con- con- in conflict with the knowledge of God. You didn't evolve from a monkey, you evolved from the mouth of God. You evolved from the hands of God that reached down and made an image of himself in the dirt and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. He became a living being. You evolved from the heart of God, from God's imagination, from God's heart. He created us in his image, not the image of a monkey. Ooh, 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 ah, ah. So uh, no, there is no proof of that, but yet it's, an, it's a knowledge of evil. It's a knowledge of evil. Look at this, uh, Colossians 2.8. See to it that no one carries you off. As spoil, this is the Amplified version, the Amplified classic version. See to it that no one carries you off as spoil. Even that right there should make you stand up and say, whoa, wait a minute. You know what spoil is? is after the war is over, they get to divide up the goods. It's called the spoil. See to it no one carries you off as spoil or makes you yourself captive by, by his so-called philosophy and intellectualism and vain deceit. Idle fantasy, fancies and plain nonsense. I love that. Just, that's just plain nonsense. Sounds like something my grandma would say. <laughs> Following human tradition, men's ideas of the material rather than the spiritual world. Just crude notions following the rudimentary and elementary teachings of the universe and disregarding the teachings of Christ the Messiah. That's a mouthful. Basically what it's saying is anything else that comes up that's contradictory to the word of God is a lie, and God's word is truth. They can give you philosophy. They can give you fine-sounding arguments of reason. Come on, let's be reasonable, brother. Faith doesn't really work. Faith doesn't. What's, God's just a crutch for you. God's just this. God's just that. And all that is lies from hell. 
If you're saved, you know God, you know the truth that sets you free. There's, I mean, you think about it, it takes more faith to believe that we came from a bunch of rocks clashing together than it did from a created uh, God that created the whole thing out of his own mouth. Amen. Like just two random rocks, where did the rocks come from? If i got to believe something came out of nothing, I'm going to believe God came out of nothing, either than some rocks coming out of nothing and banging together. You can bang on your rocks all day long. You're not going to make a universe. You're not going to make an eyeball. You're not going to make water and the solar systems and stuff. It's just foolishness. So you see this same battle over the knowledge of good and evil remains today. And it's our job to fight the good fight of faith with his truth that sets us free. And you'll know the truth. You'll know it. When you hear truth, sometimes you'll hear it uh, when I'm preaching, you're reading your Bible over, you'll just hear this truth and just you feel this like something just like settles like right here in your heart. It's your, your spirit bearing witness with your spirit that you're, you are, you're born again and you're hearing the word of God. Amen. I'm going to share a few more verses on the knowledge of God. And is anyone here cold? Uh, I think the, I think I, I don't know if that's changed with the daylight saving times. So it might be going off an hour early. Uh, the heater, so you might have to check those, whoever's back there, Marshall, Dale, Micah, somebody, check both of those, make sure, don't want anybody to be cold. A few more verses on knowledge of God, Second Peter 1, 2 and 3, says, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, how? Through the knowledge of him, who called us by Glory and virtue. So here we see Peter saying that grace and peace is going to be multiplied in your life by knowing God. You know, a lot of people say they know God, but I want to know, like, do they really know God? Do they really know God? Do they know of God? Like, I know uh, athletes. I know people that, because uh, I see them on TV, I know some of their stats, but I've never been to their house for dinner. I don't know them personally. I would be, if I did, I'd ask some of them for some money for Uganda. And some of the well, wells we're digging over there. Say, hey, give me some of that to help these people that have no water. But anyway, uh, grace and peace be multiplied in your life through knowing God. You want more peace? Get to know God better. There's parts about God we all have to learn. And it says, all things that pertain to life and godliness belong to us, but they become into our possession of ownership as we know God, because we know Him. Amen? So the knowledge of God is very important to know. To know. Like, it's, you go to India, they have billions of gods, but they don't know God. They're, they're, they have no food. They're letting cows walk around when there's good steaks just walking by, and they got people starving. They could be having some big old ribeyes and whatever, and they're, they're starving. They're going to offer their only fruits and vegetables to this dead stick over here or a weed over here and this god over here. And they, they, they are very religious. They're very dedicated. They pray, some of them, three, four times a day, but they don't know God. So our knowledge is important. And who he is to you, he'll be through you. If you don't understand grace and you're a legalistic Pharisee, that's how you perceive God, that's how you're going to live your life, and that's how you're going to treat other people. But when you understand the grace of God, guess what's going to happen? You're going to be a gracious person to other people, forgiving and kind. As you perceive him, you will receive him. See, if your knowledge about God is... If your knowledge about who God is, his character, or his nature is wrong, it will greatly impact your life and your relationship with him in every way. It really will. So we need to understand that our, the battle is still going on today against the knowledge of good and knowledge of evil. The devil doesn't want you to know who you are in Christ. The devil doesn't want you to know about how to fight spiritual fights. He doesn't want you to know what your spiritual armor. He doesn't want you to know what the gifts of the Holy Spirit. That's why there's so much controversy around those things is that the devil doesn't want you to know these things that he wants you to lose. 
If you want to win, we got to submit to what God's word says, whether we, uh, whether our denomination, whether whoever, our grandma, whoever agrees with it or not, we have to let God be true and everything else a lie. Amen? Amen. So point number one was the knowledge of God. Point two of this is we need to monitor what we're thinking about. Get this bent a little closer. You guys hear me good or not? Okay. So the next one, monitor what we think about. We must protect our minds from what we, what we think about. It's part of our job. God will not make you do that. You can't sit there watching a horror movie and think you're going to go to bed without having bad dreams. It's foolish. Not only are you going to have bad dreams, you just invited demons into your home. If you didn't know that, I'm telling you, there's information for you to chew on. You are inviting the demonic realm into your house with music, movies, uh, internet, uh, whatever you're looking at, it's ungodly. You are inviting the devil and his demons into your home. And you can't blame that on God. You can't blame it on uh, Bill Gates or who made, whoever's making your websites or who making it on Amazon. You blame, it's you. You open the door, you let them in, and you're going to have to deal with it. Amen? So it's our responsibility to monitor what we're thinking about, what we're watching. So the helmet of salvation was given to guard our spiritual minds, but we must do our part, too, to guard our physical minds because what you put in is what's going to come out. It's just how that works. And God tells us things we're to talk about, things we're to think about, things we're to meditate on. If you meditate on scary things, you're going to have a fearful heart. If you meditate on traumatizing things and woe is me, the world's coming in, all that kind of stuff. Guess what? You, you could live on an island right now. If the last two years, you could have lived on an island. You could be sipping back on whatever you like to sit back on and, uh, in your hammock with a beautiful skyline and stuff. You wouldn't even have heard of COVID. You wouldn't hear about any kind of election stuff. You, hear, you, you would have known the difference from 19, uh, 2019 to 2021. You wouldn't even experience it a bit. Do you know that? You're like, that would have been nice. <laughs> that would have been nice. That would have been nice. But you know what? At the same time, yeah, we, we live in the world, but we're not of this world. And our, our strength, our joy, our peace, our life isn't going to come from the news. It isn't going to come from good, the, the, even the good news of the news isn't going to bring you the peace that God has for you. Because the good news of the news can change the next day. Well, then this Trump this, and this changed that, and, this, and someone vetoed this. But the Bible talks about what we should think about. It says, finally, brethren, whatever things are true, that limits a whole lot of what you watch and listen to right there. I just cancel almost everything. Just about everything right there. We get the Bible, though, praise God. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are good, a good report, if there is any virtue, if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Meditate on them. Think about these things. And guess what's going to happen when you meditate on them? The peace of God is going to fill your heart. Guess what's going to come out of your mouth? Peaceful things. Peaceful words, encouragement, comfort, and things like that to people. Not, oh, did you hear the latest rumor? Oh, man, we're going we're gonna to all die by the end of the year. I mean, like, I mean man, I just want to just like shotgun that TV. Like, shut up already. I mean, they don't have anything good to say. I mean, it's, it's depraved. Uh, it's total depravity at its finest coming out through there. And we don't need to listen to it. If someone was in your house, a human being was in your house, and they were saying the things you listen to on TV and the news, you'd be kicking them out. But yet we can put them on the TV or on the internet or on our phones, and all of a sudden it's okay to hear that stuff. Well, guess what? It's not okay to your heart. Your heart is not going to get peace from that. You're not going to receive strength from that. So meditating on the wrong things will cause stress, cause anxiety, and many, many other challenges in our life. I'm not trying to pick on any, anybody's favorite stuff. If you like the news, be careful what you listen to. But, um, but I'm telling you, you want peace with the Lord in this season? You're going to get it in one place. 
the secret place of the Most High. It's secret because not everybody finds it. But you know where it is, just sometimes we're just lazy to go there. Right? That was a good word. It's for me too, so... It's me too, I'm just saying. Uh, it's for everybody. Meditate on His truth on good things is a source of protection for our minds. And meditate on the right things also has many benefits. If you read through Scripture and talk about what, what it will do to your life and your heart, your finances, every part of your life, if you meditate on the Word of God, there is a lot of promises about good meditation. So you just flip it, the opposite of bad ones too. But look, look at Psalm 1, the very first psalm and the first verse. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Man, this seems to keep popping up, and I'm not even doing it on purpose, but anyway. Nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law, or word, he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Man, you say, sign me up, right? They had that pill on TV. Someone be calling the hotline now, like, I want that. Well, no withering leaves. I got good fruit. Uh, lots of, yeah, sign me up. Well, guess what? God says, you want to sign up? Get in the Word. Get in the Word. Fill your heart with the Word. And it will flush out that fear. It will flush out anxiety. It will flush out lack of peace. It will flush out those things. And it says he's promising there refreshing, strengthening, nourishment by the river, the river of God, the river of God's spirit. He'll be fruitful, healthy, and prosperous. It covers every aspect of your life by meditating on what did God say. Amen? Also, Jeremiah 1.8, very similar. It says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you shall make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. God says, then, you'll, then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. How? When you meditate on God's word. You know what this can do to the fear in your life? I mean, eradicate it. Destroy it. I mean, it's not even a contest. I mean, you're talking about God and the devil. It's not like this close matchup here. He's under our feet. He's totally defeated. We empower him with the words of our mouth. We empower by what we watch. We empower him by what we, uh, what we give our affections to. They're idols, right? They're what they are. They're idols. So when we meditate on his word day and night, then we make our way prosperous through him. And then we have good success. Everybody loves those ideas, but God gives us the formula how to do it, and uh, we don't always like to do it, right? Because the other way is sometimes easier. But I want to encourage you, you can have your way prosperous, and you can have good success in your life. Not just success, but good success. How? By meditating on what did God say. The stock market's going to do this. It's always going to do this. I mean, that's how they make money is by doing that. The stock market's going to change. Gas prices are going to change. The food prices are going to change. But the word of God will never change. It will never change. And he can prosper you in this season and in any season because he, he is your reward. He knows how to get things into your hands when you trust in him. So think of this first. I mentioned it earlier, but he will keep you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Man, peace is a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. Lack of peace is a tormenting thing. Very tormenting, very challenging. I mean, sometimes you can't sleep and you're anxious and you don't want to be around people or whatever. But the Bible says he will keep you in perfect peace. Not, uh, it's okay, peace. Uh, it's okay. I got a little bit. I got, I got more than that guy. I got enough. But you have the ability with God to have 
perfect peace in your heart and life. Perfect. You look at what that word means, it will bless you. So we stay in peace as his, uh, we will stay in peace as we dwell on the things that are trustworthy and good and the things that he wants us to think about. Now, I know that's a challenging verse, and they, you don't know this or you don't know that. I don't know everything. I just know what this says. I never claim to know everything. I just know what this says. And I know when I do other stuff, when I get too hooked up on sports or anything, any, anything, my heart can get jacked up and elevated and irritated and, oh, this is not fair, and this justice thing, because I like truth, comes out and like, ah. And guess what? I lose in my peace. And God, I mean, I, God doesn't need me to get angry to fix the world's problems. God wants me to keep my peace so I can proclaim the liberty of joy to the world. The Lord has come and proclaim the liberty of what God has. He's not counting our sins against us anymore. He's forgiven us. Amen. And I get so caught up in this thing, I'm missing the better thing, like Mary and Martha. So the second one, the first one, my appointment today was knowledge of God. And the second one was monitor what we're thinking about and what we're dwelling on. That's part of our own responsibility, what we have to do. And the third part Point three is knowing what we believe about our salvation. We can't just, uh, depending on what church you grew up in, what denomination you grew up in, there's many different theologies out there about salvation. Is it until the next time you sin? Are you saved after you're baptized? If you're, are you not saved if you're not baptized? If you're this and that, you're going to go to hell. If you climb up a tree and you eat an orange, you follow the tree, you bang your head on the way down and you die. Are you going to go to heaven or hell because you sinned, you didn't have a chance to repent before you sinned? I mean, those theology they create just makes you anxious, just did me. I mean, it just worked me up. <laughs> but guess what? You need to know what you believe you got to know what you believe. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what you heard another preacher say or the guy on TV says. You have to know what you believe. You can't walk around saying, well, Robert Morris says or Andrew Womack says or Joseph Prince says or whoever else you like says. you got to know God says. God said. Amen. They're copying him. So let's copy him too. So uh, we have been given a helmet called the helmet of salvation. So why do you think God called it that? He called it that intentionally, Right? So the first thing uh, is that the word salvation in the Greek is the word sozo, like Laura was mentioning earlier. The word is a Greek word. It means saved, healed, and delivered. If you look up, there's many verses in the Bible that says Jesus healed them all. It's sozo. Everyone who calls the name of the Lord will be saved. They're talking about salvation of their spirit. It's sozo. Being delivered from demons, it was called, they were made whole. It was sozo. It's the same word in all those places. So therefore, the helmet of salvation includes the saving of your spirits, the deliverance of your souls, and the healing of your bodies. I want to say it again because it just felt really good to me. Um, the helmet of sozo, the helmet of your salvation, includes the saving of your spirits, the deliverance of your soul, and the healing of your bodies. Amen. That's because Jesus is the helmet. And I just want to let the word define the word, not, not philosophers not uh, intellectualism like we talked about before. Let the word interpret the word. Jesus is the word. So our enemy is coming after those things that our, that our helmet is called to protect. He's coming after the knowledge of your salvation. He's coming after it. In Ephesians 6, 16, says he's shooting fiery darts or arrows at you. And those arrows are words. It's like this arrow and there's words written on it. It's words. He's shooting words at you accusations, lies, deceptions, trickery to make you doubt what God did for you, to make you turn it internally like, well, I'm not good enough, or I did this, or I didn't do that. So it becomes all about us instead of all about Jesus. And it's a lie. It's a deception. It's trickery from the enemy. It's a bait of Satan to get you onto yourself and off of Christ. You can't ever make yourself righteous except through faith in what Jesus did. 
Amen. So he's shooting these words at us. He's launching these arrows at us. And you know, a lot of times, all of us at one point or another, hopefully you're not now, are just letting these words hit us and stick to us like arrows and they get fire and just, you're not saved. You don't love Jesus. You don't even have to go to church. God doesn't love you. You're not really forgiven. You're not really saved. And those are arrows. There is arrows. Those are the fiery arrows he's shooting at you and shooting at me. And it takes a shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, to bust those down. Okay? I'm going to show you some more of these things he's shooting at you because you might have heard these things. Like, like in, back in the garden, did God really say this? Did God really say that? God didn't say that. You're not going to die. Go ahead and eat it. He says the same thing. So you may have heard this in your life. Is God really going to protect you? Is God really going to help you this time? I know he did in the past, but is he really going to help you this time? That is not your thought. Okay? It's not the Holy Spirit's thought. That is a fiery dart of the enemy. It's like, it's shot right into your heart, right into your head, unless you do something about it. Uh, is God really going to heal you? Is God really going to provide for you? The going gets tough. Finances get tight. There's bills come in, unexpected bills or whatever come in, and things become a challenge. What do you do? Do you fret and worry and stay up all night biting your nails and trying to sell everything on eBay? You can try that, but it's not going to probably give you much peace. Or you can go to your provider, Jehovah Jireh. God, what do you want me to do about this? Or what do you want to do with this? One thing I know he's going to say, he wants you to keep your peace. You can't hear God as good when you're not in peace. You're going to hear your flesh crying out louder than your peace when you're not in peace. I'll just tell you. So um, what are those thoughts? Those thoughts are against the knowledge of God. They're against your salvation. And they need to be cast down. And guess what? We have to do that. I can't cast down Blake's stuff. I can't cast down my kids' stuff. I can encourage them, but they have to cast down their stuff. You have to cast down your stuff. And you have mighty weapons, spiritual weapons by God to be able to do it. Amen? It's not a wimpy shield or wimpy thing. It's powerful weapons. Or you may hear doubtful thoughts like, are you sure God really loves you? Like, I know he loves your neighbor. I know he loves your mom because she's awesome. You know, she is so sweet and she's so kind. But does God really love you? Oh, you're, not, you're not that great. You've you got some problems. Or, you, you, I mean, I'm, maybe I'm just confessing or maybe I'm reading your mail. I don't know because I've heard all these things. So I'm just saying. Uh, we think we don't hear in the spirit realm. Well, guess what we do? We, we've heard these things. Are you sure God really forgave you? Are you sh really sure you're saved? Are you really sure if you die today that you go to heaven when you die? Well, guess what? If you don't know that, that's a tormenting thought. It's tormenting. And you can put it off by staying busy with work and staying busy with TV. And but guess what? When you lay down in bed, that thought's going to right back to your mind. Are you sure you're saved? Are you sure you're going to go to heaven if you die? And guess what? You need to be sure. <laughs> Amen? You need to be sure. And it's not going to be based on your works or anything else. It's going to be based on the works of Jesus. And I'm telling you, when you know these things, it is a shield for your heart. It is a shield of faith. It is a, a breastplate of righteousness. It is a helmet of salvation. Protect your thoughts and your heart from these arrows being shot your way that are tormenting. And God doesn't want you to be tormented. He loves you. He wants you to be free from these things. But you have to know the truth because the truth sets you free. And you have to meditate on his truth because the meditate on the truth is what causes you to prosper and be in good health as your soul prospers. Amen? Amen? So you may have heard thoughts like this too, accusational thoughts. These are accusational arrows shot your way. Um, you're not saved. Christians don't talk like that. 
Christians don't get angry like that. Christians don't have dirty thoughts like that. Christians, and you can get delivered from all this stuff. I'm just saying you may have heard these thoughts. Uh, God couldn't forgive you. You've committed the unpardonable sin. Well, gosh, well, then what do you do? What do you do then? Like, there's not, if, you, if you committed the unpardonable sin, there's nothing you can do. I mean, I mean you might as well just, well, I won't say that. <laughs> but there's not much hope, right? I just said this a few weeks ago, but if you heard that, just the fact that you heard that shows it's a lie. The devil is the father of lies. I'm not saying we get truth from the devil, but I am saying if you think about it, why would he tempt you to believe that lie if you have already committed? He wouldn't want you to know. He'd want you to stay in ignorance, so he's got you. He just lets you stay and do whatever you want. But he's shooting these arrows of accusation against you. He's the accuser of the brethren, the sister, and the whatever you call the girl version of that. The, the body of, he's the accuser of the brethren, the body of Christ. So he's going to send these accusations against you that you're not this, you're not that. And you have to fight the good fight of faith with the word of God. The helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit. If you want to stay in torment, just sit there and do nothing. Let him keep firing away at you. Fire away, fire away. If you want to be freed from those things, you've got to take out the good book. You've got to open it. Blow dust off if you have to. Open it. You've got to read it and put that word in your eyes and let it be coming out of your mouth and back into your ears then in your eyes and out of your mouth and it gets into your heart and faith is there and your shield becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. He can shoot what he wants at you and it's not going to even touch you. Amen? Amen. You are destined called to win. but We have to win with the word. We have to win with the weapons that he gave us, the armor that he gave us. So... Since he's firing these evil thoughts against our salvation, it's important to strengthen our faith in the area of salvation. It's important to know what you believe and why about your salvation. Are you once saved, always saved? Are you getting saved four or five different times or a hundred different times like I thought? But I guess I didn't read Hebrews 6. It said it's impossible for those who lose their salvation to get saved again. So I don't know how that theology fit into what I grew up, but anyway, because uh, I never got re-saved. I got saved one time. And once I was saved one time by the work of Jesus, by the covenant of Christ, I was perfected forever in him. Did I always act perfect? No, I, I still don't, but, I, I, but I'm trying, and Holly's a good help, and, my, and the Holy Spirit, of course, is a great help. But, 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 uh, but my spirit man, the work that God did on the inside of me is a finished work, is perfected forever. And if you're in Christ, yours is too. But if you don't know that, you're going to be tormented with those thoughts that you're not even saved. Think about this. I've read this verse in the Old Testament. Um, it's, it's an odd verse, kind of different. It's Psalm 60, 60, verse 7. It made me wonder, like, why is this even in the Bible? I don't get this. But it says, Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim is my helmet, Judah is my scepter. I get the Judah part, you know, he's the line of the tribe of Judah. But, like, but what's Ephraim and Manasseh got to do with anything, to do with anything? I don't know. They, I, just, I just didn't get it, so I studied this out. Because Ephraim is my helmet. Why did God say that? Other versions say... Ephraim is the strength of my head or the defense of my head. In Hebrew, the word means a place or means of safety, a protection, a refuge, and a stronghold. Uh, so why would God say this about Ephraim? Now, if you don't remember who Ephraim is, Ephraim is the second son of Joseph. Well, he was born to him while he was in Egypt, after he was uh, out of slavery, but he was still living in Egypt. Why would God say that Ephraim is 
uh, he's like a helmet or a place of safety, protection, a refuge, a stronghold, a strength or defense for my head. Why would he say that? Well, you might be still wondering. I'm going to try to tell you. But according to tradition, the firstborn son was one who was blessed by their grandfather. They take their right hand and place it on the head of the grand, grandchild and bless them with the generational blessings of their, of, of, uh, that God had given them. We see this story of Jacob blessing his grandson, um, Ephraim and Manasseh, his grandsons, in Genesis 48. But when Jacob went to bless his grandsons, he didn't put his right hand on the oldest son, he put his right hand on the youngest son. And when he took his right hand this way, and he put his left hand that way, what do you get? You get a cross. He crossed his arms and blessed the younger one and not uh, the older one, which was not tradition for them to do. So why did he do this? Well, Ephraim is a type and shadow of Christ. Okay, God's firstborn son, or not really born, first created son, was Adam. But Adam wouldn't bless, Adam's life wouldn't be the one that would bless humanity for eternity. It was his second son, or the last Adam, Jesus, was the one that was blessed and who, who would be the blessing to all of humanity. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 45. It says, So it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, talking about Jesus, became a life-giving spirit. It's a type and shadow of Jesus. It says, so Jacob crossed his arms, you can see the cross there, and pronounced a blessing on the second son, which is a type of Christ, because he's the one who would bless us, and he called that a helmet, the helmet Ephraim. So when it says, Ephraim is my helmet, Ephraim is my strength, my head, my defense for my head, a place of means of safety, my protection, my refuge, uh, and my stronghold, it is pointing to Jesus. Jesus is that for us. He is our helmet, our protection, all those good things. That's Jesus. So uh, he is the last Adam because uh, that became a life-giving spirit. He is a source and supply of our salvation, and he is our spiritual armor. Amen? Now, I think hearing these things, knowing these things, just talking about it brings strength, brings encouragement. Like, we're not in this all by ourselves. We're not in this all alone. He gave us armor to win, armor to protect and also to fight back. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the breastplate of righteousness. Jesus is our peace. Jesus is our shield of faith. He's the helmet of salvation, the sword of spirit. He's the Holy Spirit who empowers us to pray in the spirit. And Jesus is the armor of God. So my three points again, and I'll close with one more verse after this, but the knowledge of God versus the knowledge of evil. Monitor what we're thinking about and know and strengthen what we believe about our salvation. We have to know. If you don't know, come ask me. I'll give you verses. I'll give you scriptures to read and meditate on. And until you are fully convinced, when those arrows are shot your way in the future, it can be put out very, very easily with a scripture like Jesus did. It is written. It is written. It is written. Amen. Amen. So um, I'll close this verse. 1 Thessalonians 5.8. Let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet... The hope of salvation. Our hope of salvation, our knowledge and truth of our salvation is like a helmet that protects our head. Well, nothing goes to our heart if it doesn't first go through our head. It has to go through here first. So we're protecting our head, we're protecting our heart because we're going to protect what's going in there. Above all things, guard our heart. We're going to do that also by protecting our head. And our hope of salvation is part of that protection of our heart and our head of who we are in Christ. Amen. So if you get an arrow shot your way, 
that you're not saved, you can't just sit there and, and just take that. You get shot with this air like you've committed the unpardonable sin, you've done this, you've done that. You've got to do something. And you get something, you get a scripture or two, meditate on them, and let that word come out of your mouth, and that thing will go away just as quick as that. I mean, I'm telling you, sometimes I'll get anxiety try to come on me, or a fearful thought or something come on me that is a nagging feeling, and I do what I'm saying to you. I get out scripture, and I confess the word, or I have one memory, a verse memory, that I just say it in Jesus' name, and I quote this verse. And then peace comes back to me, because he doesn't want you to live outside of his peace. Amen? So I'm, just, I'm not saying this to... Uh, Make them feel bad. I'm trying to say this to empower you that you are called to win. Don't just sit back and take it. Fight the good fight of faith with your with sword of spirit that God's given you, which we'll look at that uh, either next week or the week after, depending on what God tells me through this week. So, but I think it's going to be the sword of spirit next week. So if you guys will stand, I want to pray a prayer blessing on you guys. You know, you hear those things growing up, like the Sunday school answer is always Jesus and always this and that. And the more you more to study it, the more it's true. <laughs> it is. All the types and shadows in the Old Testament point to Jesus. There's types and shadows in the New Testament. They point to Jesus, like the armor of God. There's uh, uh, the, Ark of the, the Ark of the Covenant points to Jesus. Noah's Ark pointed to Jesus. I mean, it's just filled with things. And it's the word, the truth of God's word, what brings liberty and freedom to our hearts. Knowing who you are in Christ is so, so important. So I want to just pray for you guys today. Uh, God, we thank you for your great love for us. And we thank you for your word that sets us free. You are truth. The word is the truth. And your word sets us free. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. I pray we wouldn't fall back like you talk about in Galatians and fall back under the law or fall back under this or this torment trying to earn anything from you. We receive freely by grace and what you already provided for us. So God, I just thank you for that. And I pray if someone here in this room is battling some of these things, they would remember these words and practice what they're hearing and put it into practice. They can effectively fight the good fight of faith and win and win. So God, I thank you for every weapon, every, every defense, all of our armor. I thank you that we're not here as orphans. We are sons and daughters of God. And the sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. I thank you there will always be protection. There will always be provision. There will always be grace. There will always be seasons. There will always be the goodness of God in the land of the living. Amen. Amen. These seasons won't change. Amen. So God, I just bless your children right now in Jesus. Now I'm going to pray a, a quick prayer over you guys. You may not understand this, but uh, I'll explain it later. But it's the ABCs of de-sliming. And basically when the enemy shoots stuff at us, things get attached to us. I've shared this before. Some stuff sometimes just clings to us. And it's a quick, easy prayer that can get that off of us. So I'm going to pray this for you. ABC. So it's A. Father, in Jesus' name I command every assignment every attack or every attachment of the enemy to be broken off my friends and family here now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I command every false burden you do not expect us to carry to be removed from off our shoulders in the name of Jesus. Our yoke is easy. Our burden is light because of Christ. I command every word curse written to you, spoken about you, to you or about you, be broken in the name of Jesus and canceled off your life. 
You will not be known by that curse. You will be known by the blessing. The blessing of the Lord makes you rich and he adds no sorrow to it. So God, I just thank you for your word. I thank you for the truth that sets us free. And I bless your people today in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. I love you. You are dismissed. Have a wonderful day.